Hello everybody, welcome to Typhoon Talks, brought to you by Typhoon Consulting, a boutique management consultancy headquartered in Hong Kong. My name is Kelly Hasiacher and I'm an analyst here at Typhoon. Today I'm joined by Emily Dickinson and Joe Dorling from Opinion, a market research consultancy. So today we're going to be talking about the, a recent report that they've produced in partnership with the Akin. So they produced two annual reports on change makers. And this might not be a term you've come across before, uh, as I haven't, for example. But these individuals are the drivers of change in today's hyper-connected world across both politics and culture. So for example, social, me social media influencers are a key example of this. And they're very influential in the marketing world. For example, they're a conduit between brands and their thousands to millions of followers. So this is our next episode in the Millennials and Generational Change series. And so we're going to dive right into this alternative way of grouping individuals. So I've only heard the term uh, change makers in reference to do-gooders before. So could you tell us who or what is a change maker? Sure, yeah. So when we refer to change makers, um, we're talking about the consumers that are driving change. To kind of profile these people, we, we focused on their attitudes and their behaviours, as opposed to more traditional demographics, such as social class, which is becoming less relevant as society is becoming kind of more open and transparent. So our change makers are very politically and socially engaged. They're the kinds of people who will be attending cultural events, very aware of what's happening in the news. They'll travel frequently, embrace new technology. They don't necessarily need to be the first people to own something, but their behavior is very influential. As I said, they're the people who are driving change um, and they, they don't fear the future. Then how were they identified for this report? Yes, yeah, so in terms of profiling and identifying change makers, we focused on their kind of like how politically and socially engaged they are. So, as mentioned, you know, whether they are attending different types of cultural events, their media habits, their travelling habits, their kind of ability to kind of embrace new technology. And um, so we focus mainly on those uh, to identify these types of people. Were there any difficulties you came across with using those characteristics to try and define people? Were you limited to certain types of social media or were there obstacles in collecting that kind of information? Not, not really, no, we, we didn't really find that. They're quite kind of general identifiers, so uh, it was more about, you know, rather than focusing specifically on one social media channel, it was kind of like a, a holistic view of their habits and how kind of engaged they were, um, what types of events they were attending and kind of how switched on they were to what was going on around them in their general kind of like society. So would it then be possible in theory for also other smaller companies or other smaller countries to also to try and do this kind of research themselves as well? Yeah, absolutely. So what markets did you consider for this report? So we focused on um, 10 different markets, the UK, Brazil, France, Germany, Russia, China, South Africa, the US, India and Australia. And we chose these mainly because we wanted a mix of emerging and established markets. Um, these are the kind of places that are growing, they're attracting global talent. For example, you've got Silicon Valley, like fintech, France, you know, maybe they've got a big push to attract new talent. Um, all these places are generally seen as kind of um, cultural hubs. Right. So that really helps guide our, our selections. You already mentioned that society is moving towards being more open and transparent, and this is quite a global shift. 
So were yeah. there differences across these markets in that process, or are they all quite similar? I think um, one of the things that we, we've seen both in profiling and across the, the actual trends is that because we're profiling according to attitudinal and behavioral values rather than sort of uh, social demographics, there's actually not too much of a change between markets. So what you've got is you've got a very much more global, hyper-connected community rather than um, the idea that being from a place means that's it's defining who you are. Um, these people are see themselves very much as global citizens. How significant are the is the influence of these change makers across the different markets, and how does their influence work? Is it in the way that we typically see it with social media influencers? Um, I'd say uh, they basically have both explicit and implicit influence. So. Yes, they're politically and socially engaged, they're not afraid to give their views, you know, they, they are very engaged on social media, so they do have that type of influence. But they're also um, hyper-connected in that, not that they're simply on their phone all the time, but they're connected to friends and colleagues all over the world, and their sphere of influence is much greater. And from an implicit point of view, these people are driving change. So. While the wider community might not want to embrace all aspects of their behaviour, they are adopting similar patterns. Um, these people are very much at the cusp, so one of the facts we had from our report was that 55% of change makers are actively reducing their meat consumption, and we're seeing this group driving wider cultural change. So you get brands like Pizza Hut, who are introducing vegan cheese, McDonald's, launching their first McVegan burger, and you get influence going through society in very implicit and explicit ways. So it's, it's a dual approach. Yeah, I can imagine it's a very useful model of uh, imagining human interaction over the, the other versions that I've talked about in the episodes with generations, because with the generations you're drawing a boundary, but then what I'm imagining with the change makers is it's more like a network of with a node at the change maker and then a spread out influence from there. Exactly. Just because you're um, a certain age or your social class group, for example, that doesn't necessarily define your behaviour. We find that that's a very sort of catch-all group. And what you've got in this change maker report is you've got 18-year-olds and you've got 45-year-olds, and actually their values are very similar. Yeah, that's really interesting to see. To go to the trends that you've identified across the two years, for 2017 you identified presence, instinct, congregation, fantasy, action, and humor. And then for 2018, you identified authenticity, conscious, convenience, contentment, freedom, luxury, politics, sexuality, and spirituality. So it's quite a big range we have there across the two years. But what do you see as biggest change from 2017 to 2018? I think rather than um, a set in stone change, we, we sort of see these more as an evolution. So, for example, in 2017, when we looked at instinct, change makers were beginning to rely on their intuition to cut through the kind of constant online noise. Whereas this year, we're expecting more focus on redeveloping our uniquely human skills so identifying ways and techniques to kind of listen to and trust our bodies and natural senses more that's something that's definitely coming across quite strongly in the report and again in 
this year instinct has developed to work kind of we're seeing it permeate through other trends so for example self-care which is definitely focusing on listening and trusting to our own bodies um, another good example is humor so in 2017 change makers found relief in frivolity and satire whereas today change makers are holding brands to a much higher standard of authenticity in communications they're human and fallible so, so brands need the confidence to be real and use humor as a tool to connect on an honest level this is most strongly seen in the authenticity attitude so it's not about heritage or craft unless that's genuinely who you are it's much more about being true to yourself uh, so if you're a geeky brand uh, embrace it so then as you were saying it's an evolution it's a process of change do you think the rate of change has been accelerating over the last few years I think if you look back, actually change has always been fast-paced. Um, I would say, yes, things are changing. Technology is obviously having an impact. But our social attitudes, you know, there were always, like, if, when you're in the 80s or the 70s, people always thought, oh, there's actually this group that are, are pushing change. Um, and maybe it's because of social media, we're more aware of the change now mm, at the moment. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that it's necessarily happening any faster. It's just it's just that because of technology, we are more aware and connected with it. Yeah. So we've already agreed that the trends are quite global in their applicability. Are some of them more extreme in different regions? When we did the report, we asked uh, a range of attitudinal statements. Um, and within those attitudinal statements, there are some differences. For example, one of the greatest differences was uh, in Russia, where 88% of change makers felt that social media made them feel connected, whereas only 58% of change makers in the US felt that way. So you get differences in some of the statements that make up the overall trends, but the trends are global trends. Mm -hmm. Were then also the wording of the questions that you had to ask the change makers in the different countries quite different? No, so we made a few cultural changes. So for example, in China, we didn't ask about political thoughts or voting, but actually the questionnaire was the same across all audiences. So then when you're communicating these trends to people within your company or to or in the report or to other companies, is there an aspect of them that you have to translate or what is the biggest obstacle in trying to communicate what change makers are and what they're doing? I think people have very um, sort of rigid ideas of sort of what, you know, what millennials are, what the baby boomers are and what these groups stand for. I think people absolutely understand the idea of a group of people that can be made up of, of different age ranges, yeah. different demographics coming together to influence and drive change for organizations and businesses and brands. Most people understand that. Um, it's just simply sort of introducing them to the idea. What was the main use of the research initially? Yeah, so for us the research is really useful for us to understand the behavior that's going to influence brands so that we can advise our clients um, and to sort of guide future strategy. It helps bring um, to life sort of tangible examples of what this audience is doing. Um, and how they're defining the conversations about the brands and we, we work with the brands so it's very important for us to know and understand what, you know, what's out there. And then is it more a process of uh, 
getting more customers or trying to hold on to the ones they already have or creating products that appeal to their existing customer base? It's probably a mixture of all of those, but I think it's it's more about um, saying this is specifically going to help you grow. It's, it's about sort of future-proofing your brand. So, for example, one of the trends we looked at was diversity and the idea of sort of diversity and inclusivity as an expectation, not just a campaign. And then thinking about what that could mean for brands, so looking at different gazes and perspectives, they need to do more than just sort of sell their products to these audiences, but actually how the stories are authentic and relatable. So it's, it's a holistic overview, I think. Changemakers has, as you said, been very interesting and useful to understanding how brands can understand their customers. What do you think can be used from the Changemakers report to understand generations generally across other sectors, such as in the workplace or in education or in, for, for example, financial habits? I think Changemakers um, have very high expectations of their brands and they trust brands over government and the media and they trust uh, businesses to behave appropriately and in a way that reflects their own values. So they're going to actively avoid brands that make negative social and environmental impacts on society mm-hmm. and they, they look for those that go beyond sort of just saying that they have values. There's a lot of stuff about um, about greenwash and yeah. a couple of years ago now it's about value wash. So brands really need to enact what you know, they say they stand for them and just do it. Definitely, and just kind of be true to themselves. And, and this kind of theme of authenticity is really strong. Um, so it's almost like Emily is saying, you know, they'll they'll be able to see through a kind of a fake or put on CSR campaign. They want to see that they're actually really making a difference, um, that their actions... I, I think there was, in the report, there was a kind of theme um, about changemakers feeling powerless in a certain sense. So I think they kind of find a little bit more strength in um, making conscious decisions, whether that be about themselves, thinking about self-care, but also the brands they choose, um, and whether those brands are making the right conscious decisions that kind of align with their own values. It's also about their their sphere of influence, I think. They can influence, they believe their own actions can actually influence the wider society. Yeah, so it's experiencing back again so like what are you putting in your body what products yeah. am i selecting conscious decisions yeah. yeah that sounds like a very good way for society on a whole to take away uh, the information that's been shared in the change makers report um so just going back a bit to the talk about the hyper connected world and this group of people that has a sphere of influence that stretches across the globe do you imagine that this process will continue to accelerate and uh, I guess in a way, increase the influence of change makers? I'm not sure that they will necessarily increase because um, this is the group at the forefront that is driving consumer change. So that group will be different as, as the world evolves. So you'll always have, say, this, this 10% or 5% of the population that are driving change, whether that's um, positive or, in some cases, negative change. So you were saying they will constantly evolve as a group and they make up quite a steady portion of the population. So is then the relationship as well between society and change makers changing? Because you did mention before that we're perhaps just more aware of this process of change rather than the rate of it actually increasing. But is general society perception of leaders and trends also changing? I think it's, it's really interesting. So in the UK, we had a, a huge backlash against what was seen as so the cultural elites 
And in some parts, some of the change makers that we've spoken to will fall into cultural elites, but they're also sort of hipsters. Um, they're, they could be uh, sort of early adopters. Early adopters. That your traditional influences, their makeup will will always change, and some people will drop out of being a change maker as they go yeah. on to a different life stage. Yeah, that sounds like a very fluid process. Then, so you mentioned some of the other words for change makers. Could you just tell me what the more cultural connotations of them are? Because you mentioned hipster as well and early adopter, and I feel like I come across early adopter yeah. in a lot more of a business sense as well, in comparison to hipster, especially. Yeah, sure. So I guess we kind of use those terms because it, they are kind of the, the trendsetters and um, the people who are maybe kind of leading the way. And that's why we sort of refer to them as the consumers that are driving change. So they do have a great influence, especially as they are so hyper connected, whether that be kind of online, internationally, they've got their own kind of global networks. And so their sphere of influence is much greater. It's yeah, it's the people who are kind of like I said, leading the way and making different decisions about brands they choose. Um, so I think what's interesting is that they are um, incredibly kind of moral and have very strong values and it's the actual attitudes and their behaviours that are kind of leading their decisions and their, the choices, the, who, they, who they actually choose, the companies they choose. So that's something that we all need to be really tuned into, I think. It is a group that's constantly evolving rather than sort of progressing at a natural stage, whereas, for example, millennials you've seen, um, their attitudes over time, you sort of charted them through, yeah. you can say, actually now they're starting to influence company behaviour because millennials are now part of the boardroom. You don't necessarily see that with change makers because they are evolving constantly um, and they don't sort of fit into those simple boxes, really. Mm. So then of the terms, for example, early adopter, progressive consumer, influencer, hipster, is there any sort of change in how much traction those terms are getting. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, do people recognise the term change maker? Probably not, no. It, it, I guess it's not necessarily a new concept because it, it still embraces all the other words we speak about. It's kind of a capsule that is, I sort of summarises both of those. So yeah, um, people can be quite disparaging about hipsters because they think they're just following things because it's quite stereotypical. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Whereas um, sort of influences people saying, oh, you know, pay influencers um, for marketing again they're becoming slightly disparaged and you've got sort of progressive consumers who think, oh it's sort of activists mm. whereas actually change makers are all these people and there are also others as yeah well. all encompassing yeah so that's a very useful term then so that's all we have time for in today's episode of typhoon talks so could you guys please summarize what the key takeaways are about change makers i think for the change maker report we've there are the values and behaviours that are, are driving change, but I think it's about um, how that applies to brands. So we've learned, you know, that expectations of service and experience are continually increasing. Digital and physical sort of aren't sort of binary opposites anymore, um, and ethics and sustainability aren't sort of a CSI play for a company. Um, you know, your businesses, your culture, your values. The public property, they need to actually really be embedded in your culture and, and how you enact that. If a brand does well and they get change makers on board, then they are going to be successful. But that group is constantly evolving, so your business and your company needs to evolve as well. Another key takeout is that change, change makers are holding brands to a much higher standard of authenticity, and so that's definitely something to take away. That um, they are expecting a, a kind of openness and humanness from brands. 
and you know if they don't see that then they they don't really have much time for those brands so it's about being true to who you are and if you you know if you're a geeky brand embrace it so thank you emily and joe for joining us for today's episode thanks for having us follow us on twitter at typhoon buzz and at typhoon talks on itunes and soundcloud for more podcast episodes also please visit our website at typhoonconsulting.com for more industry points of view we hope you'll join us again next time